This time next year. Written and read by Liz Hines. 16th of April. I am a 50-year-old divorcee with a hangover. I might as well go the whole hog, bleach my hair, buy a black leather miniskirt and hang round dimly lit bars. John Morris, my favourite client, an old gent with old-fashioned manners, who always pays me a compliment, came in this morning. He looked me up and down and said, You look different this morning, my dear. I hope you're not going down with something. I was tempted to tell him that it's too late. I have already succumbed. I am old and unloved. I once would have thought that 49 was ancient. Now I would give anything to be 49 again. I mustn't be so silly. I'm just feeling bad because of this long-lasting headache, which almost certainly isn't a brain tumour. I am very fortunate. I have my health, so far, family, home and a job. I should be grateful. There are worse things in life than being 50 and divorced. I will pull myself together. Lunchtime. It appears that undesirability has rendered me invisible. I was in Eats, waiting to place our sandwich order, when a young executive type came in. Jeff looked up from behind the counter where he was buttering bread and said, Good afternoon, sir. What can I do for you? I was so amazed that neither had acknowledged or even noticed my presence that I said nothing until Moira came out and served me. I crept into the loo to check my appearance when I returned to the office. I was definitely older-looking and less attractive than I remember. I wonder how long I've been in decline. Oh, probably ten years at least. The only wonder is that Brian stuck it out so long. Early evening. Pippa phoned. Just a quick call as we have the Residents Association meeting here tonight, but I wanted to make sure you're okay for Saturday. Saturday? For our trip to Cardiff. I need to know if I have to swap turns on the rotor for the Oxfam shop. Cardiff? Have you been eating parrot seed, Alison? Parrot seed? Oh, for goodness sake, stop repeating everything I say. I'm sorry, Pippa, but I don't have a clue what you're talking about. No, well, I suppose that's our fault. We did tell you just before you grabbed Marco. I grabbed Marco? And made him tango with you. I can't do the tango. Well, yes, that was obvious. Still, the rose between the teeth looked authentic. You are joking, aren't you? Uh, no. Oh, there's the doorbell. I've got to go. I'll speak to you again. Of course, Pippa wasn't joking. Pippa never jokes. At least that explains my sore tongue. I phoned Bev for clarification. She greeted me cheerily. Hi, Alice. Or should I say, Ole? Oh, no, I was hoping you could tell me it wasn't true. Why, you had a great time. Let your hair down a bit. It was just what you needed. But I'm going to Marco's again on Saturday with my family. Ah, oh, well, never mind. You'd probably have forgotten by then. Now, are you OK for Saturday? Pippa just asked me that and I didn't know what she was talking about. It's our birthday present to you. They'd already given me a voucher to use for a head massage at Heaven Sense, but Bev explained that was just part of their present. 
You've had a rough time recently with Brian having an affair with a 28-year-old and then the divorce and then turning 50 on top of all that. Oh, thanks for reminding me. And by the way, you're only four years off 50 yourself. Ah, four years is a lifetime. Now listen, we thought the best thing we could give you was your confidence back. Make a new woman of you, help you make a fresh start and find a man. And how are you going to do that? You seen that programme on telly, Looking Bad, Looking Good? No. Oh, you must have done. You know the one where two presenters help women change their style of dressing? You know I don't watch fashion programmes. Well, it's on television at nine tonight, so watch it, and I'll speak to you again afterwards. 9.40pm I've just watched Looking Bad, Looking Good. The show involves a victim having her entire wardrobe rubbished by two bitchy presenters, Tracy and Sal. I was reminded of a programme that used to show clips from Japanese endurance shows. Everyone asked, why on earth do they put themselves through that? A similar question came to mind after watching LBLG. The only good that comes from it, as far as I can see, is that, having endured the humiliation, the victim is rewarded with a free wardrobe of clothes. A major source of concern to me here is that the victim was volunteered by her best friends. I'm very anxious now. They wouldn't have done that to me, would they? I can't see any hidden cameras, but I suppose I wouldn't. I'll phone Bev now. I want reassurance. I wasn't totally reassured by the conversation with Bev. She has promised that I am not going to be filmed from the rear in my baggy sweatpants and holy jumper. She said their present was much better than that. We're going to be your own personal Tracy and Sal. But they're horrible. Now, they have to be cruel to be kind. We're going to take you to Cardiff and help you choose the right clothes to wear. Pippa's bought their book, so we know what we're talking about. There, what do you think of that? I think, but I didn't say, that there are many other birthday gifts I would have preferred. But I do need some new clothes, and they do mean well. And they are my friends and won't be as nasty as Sal and Tracy. And a day in Cardiff will be fun. So I said I was delighted and would look forward to it. But what if it's all a ruse? I've seen other makeover-type programmes before, and it inevitably involves the victim being told numerous lies in order to get her cooperation. Perhaps Bev telling me that they're taking me to Cardiff is all part of the plan. Hidden cameras would, of course, have to be well hidden. I didn't have a very thorough look before. I'd better look again. Right, I've checked everywhere and I'm sure there are definitely no cameras. There would have to be some sign if there were, and there isn't, so that's all right. The only places I didn't check were Adam's bedroom and the toilet. They know I never go in Adam's room, and I'm confident that not even Channel 5 would sink to filming in lavatories. Nearly midnight. I couldn't sleep, so I got up and checked the toilet. Camera free. 19th of April. The alarm went off as usual and I'd crawled out of bed and was halfway to the shower before remembering it was Saturday and I didn't have to get up. 
I hurried back to bed, cursing myself for forgetting to switch off the alarm the previous night. I snuggled down and tried to get back into the pleasant dream I'd been having of Brian and marshmallows, but something was nagging at my brain. I tried to ignore it, but it wouldn't go away. Then it came back to me. Today was looking bad, looking good day. I groaned and climbed back out of bed. I showered, put on my best bra, the one I'd bought for my cousin's wedding two years ago, and best knickers, the ones with elastic. Now I can face the changing rooms with confidence, as long as they're not communal or full of young girls. Our first stop was a Costa coffee shop. I just sat down with coffee and a muffin, ready for a good natter when Pippa said, Right, Alison, go and stand over there. What? Go and stand over there in that gap so we can appraise you. This is a Costa coffee shop, Pippa. I can't just go and stand in the middle of it for you to look at me. Don't be daft, Alice, Bev said. No one's going to watch. They're all too busy chatting. I sighed. I could see I wasn't going to be able to enjoy my muffin until I'd done as they wanted, so I crept out into the gap. Just hurry up then, I hissed. It would help if you stood up properly, Alison. Yeah, I'm holding your tummy and your bum. No, Bev, she mustn't do that. We want to see her as she normally is when she's relaxed. Oh, yeah, of course. Ignore that last comment, Alice. Just slouch as you normally would. By now, every eye in the room was fixed on my belly and bum. Get on with it, will you? Well, big boobs for starters. That's obvious. Yeah, and a short waist. No, Bev, I don't think she has a short waist. Pippa got up, came over and stood behind me. Then she scooped up my boobs. See, her waist only appears short because of the dangling boobs. Pippa! Oh, don't fuss. Tracy always does it. Surely not in the middle of Costa. Yeah, you're right, Pippa. Flabby tummy, though. It was a twirl, Alice. Oh, and large, drooping bum. OK, you can sit down now, Alison. Now, wait, what about her ankles? What about them? They're thick, aren't they? Pull your trousers up, Alison. No, see, they're all right. You're thinking of when she was pregnant. Ankles like an elephant's then. I've often thought there's a lot to be said for the burqa worn by Muslim women. I'd also been under the impression that Pippa and Bevs were my friends, and I said as much to them. But we have to identify the problem areas first, so we can work out what'll best conceal them, Pippa said. It'll be worth it. You'll be able to move from men falling at your feet when we've done, Bev added. That may be true, Bev, but we're not doing this primarily to help Alison find a man. Are we? Bev was surprised. Aren't you? I was disappointed. No, we're doing this to help Alison find herself. When she is comfortable in who she is, she'll be ready to start another relationship. But if she enters into a relationship without first establishing herself, it will be bound to fail. I lost the thread somewhere between comfortable and fail, but gathered that I have to be me first. I asked if, as well as hiding my bad points, clothes should be chosen to make the most of my good points, assuming I have any. There was a long silence. At last Pippa said, 
I suppose big boobs could be considered an asset. Definitely, said Bev. If you got it, flaunt it. That's what my granny used to say. Did she really? said Pippa. Nah. Pippa announced that the next stop was Madame Fifi's. I glanced at Bev. She looked as surprised as I felt on hearing that a massage parlour was on the agenda for today.